0: We have all kinds of wonderful things happening um, on, on on our Sunday afternoon services. Come along to that the last two we 've just had amazing feedback um, on on the one we did we did a, a, cl- a live class we have we 've had a, a live class on Sunday afternoon about money management um, and, and thank you amen, thank you for the feedback on that one. It was just um, great to have those refresh re- re- just just refreshing. Um, reminders of, of who we are and the practical things to do with those things. We have all kinds of things planned for Sunday afternoons. Keep your ears peeled. We're going to talk about everything. Um, we're, going to talk about, we're going to talk about, in February, we're looking at relationships and we want to talk about family relationships. We want to talk about romantic relationships. We want to talk about sex and sexuality and talk about the hard questions that we don't talk about sometimes at church. We're going to face all those things head on because there is an answer for that. Amen. Yeah. And, um, and, and so keep an ear out for what we're doing on, on, on Sunday, uh, particularly Sunday afternoons. Actually, every service, but hey, you know what I mean. Habakkuk chapter one. Father, thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your presence here. I pray that you help me teach tonight. Thank you for the power of God that is present here to remove every burden, to destroy every yoke, to deposit your perfect will in our hearts tonight. And as we, as we teach this word, I thank you that we have ears to hear, we have eyes to see, we have a heart that is softened to your word. Thank you that I am anointed to teach your word. Your people are anointed to hear your word and to do your word. And together we are anointed to bring the change that you intend to, put, to, to bring to our world. We love you and we receive this word by faith. In Jesus' name we pray. And those who believe said? Amen. The book of Habakkuk, chapter 1, I was in two minds as to whether to start in Jeremiah, chapter 1, or whether we should start in Habakkuk, chapter 1. But, but, but open your Bibles to Habakkuk, chapter 1, but I'm going to make reference to Jeremiah, um, chapter 1, because we're still in the first month of the year, and before you know it's going to be Christmas again. But anyway, <laughs> 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 I bind you, it's coming, stop binding me, it's coming. So look at this. We're still in the first month of the, of the year, but I'm hoping that you are still expecting great things. Anybody expecting great things? Amen. Someone says, I'm expecting great things. Stay in that place of expectation. Don't let anything steal your expectation. Don't let any circumstance of the past, any experience of the past, steal your expectation of good. But today I want to continue to speak to you about what you see for this year. What you see for this year. We started to have this conversation last week Uh, on a Tuesday talking about vision because life is a study of attention and your life will go in the direction of your most dominant thought. Your life will go in the direction of the vision you see for your life. Every single one of us, whether it is articulated or whether it isn't, there is a vision. There is something about our future that we see which is driving our behavior today and the way we are attitude today. All of us have a vision that we are walking towards and what what I am challenging us to do is to be people who are purposeful in that vision that we have for our lives. And so whilst it seems a bit of a cliche, to, in the beginning of the year, to be talking about vision, I do believe that it is a necessary instruction from the Lord to get us to be in a place where we are aligning our vision to match what he sees for our lives. In the natural, there are, there are at least two kinds of, there, there is more, but, but it caught my attention, two types of eye Um, disorders, we have uh, short-sightedness and long-sightedness. You know, short-sightedness is where where you can only see, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe it's you can only see things that are close to you, but things that are far, you can't quite see. Long-sightedness is where you're able to see things that are far, but things that are too close are blurry and are not right. And and, and those are two major types of eye disorders, natural eye disorders. And I do believe in many ways, spiritually, we have eye disorders Orders um, in, in the sense that there are things, there are ways in which we see spiritually that we need to make sure that we are correcting if we are going to interpret our lives as God will have us interpret them. Uh, Jesus talks about you know Jesus talked a lot about the blind leading the blind. He talks a lot about people who have eyes but they can't see. Or people who have ears but can't hear. The Bible talks a lot about, say, uh, you know, let he who has ear, let them hear. All of that has to do with your perception of your vision, your perception of where you are going. There are some things that are on the inside of you that, that God wants to God wants to instruct you from the inside out. Um, uh, but, but, we live in a very busy world. We live in a world where there is so much going on. We live in a world where you can be in the in London, but actually feel like you know by live feed on your phone, literally be right there in South America at the same time, experiencing the same things, feeling the same things, seeing what people see, experiencing the life there and so what happens? is that we either develop long-sightedness in the spirit or short-sightedness in the sense that there, we are, there are some things that we now have the ability to see clearly, but there are other things that blur um, in our lives. And so the, if, we're not, if, we're, if we don't have um, a means, particularly in the word, to correct that vision, what happens is that we live a lopsided life, a life where we're not quite seeing as we ought to see. Are you with me so far? Uh, and so we've got to be people who see right. We've got to be people um, who, who, who see our vision right. Your vision needs to be seen right. What you see for yourself needs to be seen right. Are you with me so far? It needs to be seen in the context that God gave you that vision for every vision that God gives you, he places that vision in a particular context. There is a, 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 a boundary, a, a place in which he placed that vision. And in order for you to see that vision right and interpret it correctly, you need to see it in the context of, of, of the vision that God has given you. And, and I am challenging, challenging you on what you see, challenging you on what you are, you, you are able to see concerning your vision. Now, I'm going beyond, you know, as I'm speaking now, you might maybe see God using you to start a business and that's your vision or you have a vision of a business or you have a vision of your family. I'm going be a little bit beyond that because beyond that which you can see, there are still other things in which uh, that we need to be aware of in order to see that vision as God would have you see it. Because if you see any of your vision, any God-given vision that is seen out of the context in which it was given, it will cause problems for you. Let me give you an example. God shows up to Abraham and he tells, and gives Abraham a vision of the, the sand on the seashore. And he gives him also a vision of the stars in the sky and gives him a vision that this is how many children you would have. Now, that's a ridiculous vision for a man who is not able to even have one child. It's a difficult vision to really conceptualize, but before God began to give him that vision, he places that vision within the context of who God is. He shows up to Abraham and he says, I am El Shaddai. And then it's in the context, I think, I am the Almighty God. In other words, anything I'm going to tell you now, regardless of how ridiculous it sounds, you need to keep it within this context. If you see the vision of the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, but you lose the context of the person who gave it to you and the way he introduced himself, then you're going to be struggling to accept the vision that he has given you. And so a lot of what we're looking at, a lot of what I'm trying to do in this session is, is not primarily about the what. Uh, the, the very thing that you see, uh, I want you to keep your eyes on that. But I'm hoping to sharpen your focus. I am a bit like the optician who brings you into his office and says, can you see this? Can you see this? Can you see you know, that, that chart that they ask you to read? And he's getting you to sharpen your focus on some of the other things that form the context of your vision. Because if you, if you remember that the God who called you Abraham is actually almighty God, whenever you think about your children being like the stars of the sky or like the sand on the seashore, it doesn't overwhelm you as much because you know that it is set within the context of a God who is able to do all things. So it is important not just to have a vision, but I believe that it is important to set your vision within the right context. And the right context is what God sees concerning or what God saw when he gave you that vision. Because if you, if you, if you see anything in the wrong context, you are most probably going to misinterpret what you see. Amen? And so, and so, let's walk through this thing. I, 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 you know, last last week we started to talk about Jeremiah. In Jeremiah chapter one, um, we saw Jeremiah and God having this conversation. God was trying to get Jeremiah to see certain things. Jeremiah was trying to get God to see certain things. Anybody been like that, where it feels like God is trying to tell you, "Hey, Jeremiah, I I, I have known you from from your mother's womb." And Jeremiah said, I'm "Sorry, God, you missed one very important point. I know you you can see very well, but listen, I am a boy." news to God amen and it's a bit like that when God brings us a vision sometimes we we are throwing things back in his face because we feel he hasn't seen certain things so we we want to get to the place to where we see what God sees and so we ask certain questions I don't want to go to Jeremiah 1 and read all of that I'm just going to remind you of the questions we started talking about because if we go back there is so juicy we will stay there Okay so so we, we we ask can you see that you are not a stranger When you're, when you're thinking about the vision, can you remember that you, can you see that you are not a stranger to the God of the universe? Can you see? He said to, he said to Jeremiah, he said, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. And then I appointed you before you were formed. I already appointed you as a prophet to the nations. In other words, listen, I know you. I I think I said this last week. I, I think sometimes I feel like God calls me because he doesn't know me amen sometimes i feel like god anyone ever felt like that Where you feel like god loves you but you feel like he loves you only because you he doesn't really know you it feels like look at you holy people okay go ask adam right from your your the, the, the adam adam's issue was yes god wants to work with me but i've got to find fig leaves to cover up my stuff like god doesn't know your your most intimate issues amen and sometimes we do that with God but in order to really see our vision right and accept what God is saying like he was saying to Jeremiah you've got to accept you've got to really accept that the God who called me he knows me amen there is it's a powerful thing when you know that you are known you really have to know that God doesn't just see you as a number on his list of children he doesn't just see your name as, you know, one on the list of many children. No, he he knows you. He, the Bible says he has tattooed a picture. The Amplifier talks about this, a picture of your face on his palms. He knows you intimately. He knows every hair on your head. He knows every issue you have. He knows every thought you think. He knows everything you struggled with before you got saved and everything you are struggling with now that you are saved. He knows every thought, but he knew all of that. He knew about Jeremiah's inclination to be afraid of the face of the people, but God still called him knowing that that is an issue with him. Amen. Someone say, God knows me. It's important that you set your vision in this context. He knows you. He called you because he knows you. Can you see? The second thing we said to, to, to make sure that you can see is that you can see what he has put in you. God said to Jeremiah. Not, so, so I've said, you need to see, uh, make sure that you are seeing, as you see your vision, make sure that you are seeing that God knows you. Make sure that you are seeing that he has put some things in you. He said to Jeremiah, he's calling Jeremiah to speak the nation um, about him. And, and and the very thing that Jeremiah would need to fulfill the call of God over his life is the words of God, because he's appointed to be a prophet, and a prophet is one who hears God's words and speaks God's word to bring about transformation in the from the heart of God to the world that we live in. And so Jeremiah is, is probably wondering, where am I going to get words from? But God said, hey, Jeremiah, I've called you to be a prophet, but also know this, I have put my words in your mouth because whatever you need, whatever he has called you to do, he has already equipped you. Can I remind you as Radiant City Church, everything we need to become everything God has called us to be, He has already made available to us in this city. He has already made every promotion available to you. He has already made every business available to you. Every connection that you will need to be a city upon a hill, He has made available. Every position that you need, every place where you ought to be, where you can influence for the kingdom, He has already made available because when God gives a vision, he always brings with it provision. Yes. Amen? So can you see, the question is, can you see that the word of God, Jeremiah, can you see that I've called you to be a prophet to the nations, but I've also put my word In your mouth. And then he says to Jeremiah, that I have called you, behold, I have called you to to, to, you know to to go there into that nation to pull down something, to be a prophet to the nation, to pull down some things, to erect some things. And I was challenging you to see, can you see the extent or the detail to which God has called you? He said to Abraham, He says, As far as your eyes can see, it will be your inheritance the depth or the width, the, the, the extent to which your calling reaches, it is important that you and I take time to make sure we are looking around the boundaries of our calling. Does that make sense? In other words, if God has called you into business, don't just look at today. Make it a point of duty to spend some time looking beyond your first year projections or your third year projections and looking into what is possible can you search your heart to see what can you dare to see yourself becoming amen look at can you can you visit your future on the canvas of your imagination can you use the word to paint a picture about your future as God sees it because it is important that again if you are going to operate and i think I, I, I believe that with every vision, if you feel you have come to the end of it, you have missed it. Because for everything that God gives you, it is meant to outlive you. Every vision that God gives you, it's so big that you will literally spend your whole life trying to outwork this. And after you are gone, should the Lord tarry, we will join the, 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 the cloud of witnesses looking down from heaven, watching as your vision continues to be unpicked upon the earth. Because that's what Jeremiah is doing now. That's what Elijah is doing now. That's what Abraham is doing now. If you told Jeremiah when this word came out that Chiro Gideon would be preaching him on, in 2019, he wouldn't believe it because he thought the extent to which I was called was the nation that I live in. But the extent of your vision reaches far beyond your existence on the earth. But it takes us having the boldness to go and look. Habakkuk chapter 2. Shall we go to Habakkuk then? That was just my introduction. Habakkuk chapter 2. Someone say, I can see well. Come on, say it again. I have eyes that see see. and I have ears that hear. Make that a constant part of your confessions. I have eyes that see. My eyes are working well. I am seeing what I need to see. I am looking at what I need to look at. I am doing what I need to do. Amen. Habakkuk chapter 2. This is God, the the, the the originator of our vision. And he's saying something about vision that, again, I'm trying to bring to our attention. Look at verse 2. He says, and the Lord, in the Amplified Bible, he says, and the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and engrave it so plainly upon tablets that everyone who passes may be able to read it easily and quickly as he hastens by. Then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and engrave it plainly on clay on clay tablets, so that the one who reads it will run. Let's go to the next verse. It says, for the vision is yet for an appointed future time, or an appointed time. Look at this. Your vision is for an appointed time. Your vision, you need to see, can you see, the time for which your vision is appointed? It is important that it's not just good to have a vision of what God wants to do in your life, But it is important that we are people who go before God, who are seeking God to understand the time for the appointed time for your vision. The appointed time for your vision. Because every part of your vision, remember your vision, think about your vision as uh, it's a bit like a revelation of Jesus Christ. It is an unfolding thing. It's something that continues to be unfolded as you travel through life. Uh, uh, But but there is a time for every part of your vision. Let's go to the book of John chapter 7. We're coming back to Habakkuk. Habakkuk is our core text. For tonight, but let's go to John chapter 7. I'm talking about an appointed time for your vision. An appointed time for your vision. Habakkuk chapter 7. It's been a long day. That's my excuse, and I'm sticking with it. John 7. I apologize. John 7, verse 1 says, After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee. Everyone say Galilee. Galilee. He walked in Galilee for he did not want to walk in Judea. Why? Because the Jews sought to kill him. Okay, now check this out. Jesus' purpose, Jesus' vision, Jesus was born to die. Okay? The reason he was born was so he could die. Death was the end of what he saw. Death was the vision of Jesus Christ. And here he was knowing that the Jews want to kill him. (laughs) But he kept away from the place where his vision will be fulfilled. Amen. He kept away from the place where he was born to go to. Because every vision has its appointed time. Are you with me so far? Don't just get married at the first invitation. Amen. It is your vision to be married. Praise God, receive that. But listen, there is an appointed time. This might be the appointed time to date. Amen. There is an appointed time that means that means that that, that for for uh, there is a time let, let's talk about business for instance. It, it, you might have been called to go into business. But that does not mean that this is the time To move your family, amen, sell the house, you know, uproot everything, your children, amen, and and, and go and throw everything into that business. It might be the time, the appointed time, to, whilst you are working, to start doing something. Are you with me so far? Because every, every business, everything that every vision he has given you has an appointed time. A particular time for a portion of that vision. Because not every opportunity is a blessing. Amen? Not, a, not, not a, some. I like to think about, think about it this way. Some opportunities are blessings that are unripe. Do you know what I mean by unripe? You know, they are a blessing, but it's not, you know, when we, I grew up in a place where, you know, in a place where you had mango trees and orange trees and, and, and pears and all that kind of stuff. So there are times when you walk past a tree and it's packed full with oranges. There are, but do you know what? Now is not the time to pluck one of them. Because if you, if you picked up that green orange as it is now, it will not be a blessing to you even though it is a blessing. Does that make sense? And so, uh, why? Because this vision of you enjoying orange from this tree has a particular appointed time. Are you with me so far? And so it is important that as you are, as you are outworking your vision, that, that you understand or that you be before God to make sure you understand the times. And understand, remember the children of Issachar, the Bible says that what was amazing about them was that they understood the times, number one, and they knew what to do about the times they live in. Amen? I, I believe that there are, there are, there are times for, for what we are doing. There are times for every vision that God has given you. There are times to build. There is a time to tear down. There is a time to erect. There is a time to restart. There is a time for everything. There is a time, an appointed time for your vision. And that's what Jesus is saying here. he, He gets an opportunity to go to. to, To Judea, where he will fulfill his mission. I'm not sure exactly what the timing was or how many, how long into the beginning of his ministry he was, but this was an obvious opportunity for Jesus Christ to fulfill his mission quickly and get out of there. But he stays in Galilee because his time had not yet come. Let's read on because this is a very interesting scripture. It says, um, it says, now the Jews, verse two, it says, are you still in John seven? It says in verse 2, now the Jews, the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. Verse 3, he says, his brothers therefore said to him, depart from here and go into Judea, that your disciples (laughs) may may see the works that you are doing. I'm just going to leave my notes alone and preach from here. Okay, listen, not everyone who is flattering you is helping you. OK, he said they're chilling with Jesus in Galilee and, um, and, and they said to Jesus, you know what? You are doing such an amazing job. I, you know that meeting, that crusade you had? Oh, my word. The anointing, the power of God was present. You need to take this thing to Judea. You need to go there so your disciples will see that you were anointed. Let's read on. Check this out. Verse four says, uh, v- verse four says, for no one does anything in secret Why he himself seeks to be known openly. That's good advice, but wrong advice for Jesus. I believe this is the year of the Holy Spirit. I believe this is the year to hear from God. Because not everything, not every advice, no matter how great it is, is right for you. So look at this, he, say, he, says, he says, you know, th- this is good advice, you, you, you need to go on, on, on Facebook, you, what you're doing, start that, you know, do this thing, go out there because what you're doing is amazing. He says, if you do these things, show yourself to the world, you're that amazing Jesus. Now here is what, what is even more outstanding, verse 5 says, for even his brothers did not believe him. These are the people who are championing him and saying, you go to Judea. Go now, you're so amazing. They still didn't believe him. Amen. So you step out, imagine if Jesus went, they wouldn't have come. This is why whatever you are doing, you better to stop listening to your friends all the time. You better not be going to church because your friends go there. Amen. You better not be going there because that's where your your people are. Your people don't even know what they believe. Look at that. They're saying all the right things, but they didn't even believe he was the Messiah. It is just a fascinating thing where they're saying, go to Judea, go and fulfill your vision. And it seems right to, you know, it sounds right on the surface. But what does verse 6 say? It says, then Jesus said to them, Look, look at what Jesus said, my time has not yet come. But he says, but your time is already ready. I won't leave that alone. I won't leave that alone. That, that's deep. He says my time to die. This is what he's saying. He says, You focus on your time. You're not doing your time, and you want me to do my it was it was not his time to die, but it was their time to believe. It was not his time to die, but it was their opportunity to believe. Most people who are not in their lane are trying to give you advice about your own lane. Yes. Amen? It, it says, listen, my time has not yet come, but your, your time is always ready. What does verse 7 say? It says, the world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify of it that it, its works are evil. Verse 8, you go, up, you go up to this feast. I am not yet going up to this feast. Why? For my time has not fully come. There are some opportunities that are brilliant, but are just not your time. It's not just your time. For every vision has an appointed time. Uh, we live in a world now where we are so connected to one another. And, you know, um, you know. I like to be honest with you. And, and sometimes I feel like I, after preaching, I always feel like I'm... I, 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 you were too honest. I don't know if these people will come back on Sunday after that level of honesty. <laughs> but look at this. One of the things I have to be, be careful about is after, after Sundays or after a Tuesday, particularly Sundays, is, is, is what I do with social media. Because we can have a great day. Let me just talk about myself. Don't talk about it. Amen. Don't, I don't tell anybody. It's just between me and you and, and all, all the hundreds of people watching on, on social media. Hello. So what I can tend to do is, is if I'm not careful, step into, um, into social media after a service, for instance. And, and, and now, instead of thanking God for where we are, I now start to look at people, amen, who are maybe in a place that I am believing for us to get to. And what that does is that it starts to rob me of the joy amen if you don't know anything about Elijah it, one of the most powerful things that happens and, and, and hey you must you should pray for your pastors yeah. can I amen yeah. you, you should pray let, let me tell you one of the, one of the things most pastors quit on a Monday mm. <laughs> the hardest time i 'm telling you statistically yeah check any any checks if you are checking people who have men of God or women of God who have committed suicide, it's mostly I'm not joking, it's mostly after church it's mostly afterwards, it's a bit like Elijah, Elijah calls down fire from heaven he kills all these prophets of Baal the next thing that happens is that he faces this depressive state why? because it is possible to sometimes step out of this place where you see what God has done and you now start to compare other people's appointed times with your own time And you miss the point and thinking, I must be doing something wrong because they are obviously doing something right. That's why it looks like that as opposed to how it looks. But the reality is for all of us, we all have our appointed times. We have our appointed times Thank God for what he's doing next door, but that's their appointed time. My appointed time is where I am. And so we must enjoy, amen, we must enjoy the season you find yourself in, work the season you find yourself in, be present in the season you find yourself in. This is the appointed time for you to do that in your vision. Amen? Don't get to the place where you look at another person's appointed time and look at their business and think, oh my word, they are really killing it in the industry and, 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 and that, that's where I want to go. I must, I, I'm not doing something right. No, 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 stop it. It's your appointed time. Amen. Someone say, stay on, your lane. stay on your lane. Every vision has an appointed time. Please make sure you outwalk your vision in your own pace and in his time. Amen. All we need to be doing is listening out, listening out for his. You don't want to be behind time. You don't want to be not doing what you ought to be doing. But at the same time, you don't want to be trying to rush ahead of him because every vision has an appointed time. Sometimes it's OK to see other people going ahead. And this is also the case with marriage, for instance. It's a big one with marriage. For instance, you know, you feel like, you know, I'm 28 now. I am I, not married. Therefore, I am 20 late. You see what I, that's good, come on, come on, that's good, amen. But anyway, leave, leave it alone, you are, you, what, a, what a, just stifling my pastor life. Amen. Anyway, but anyway, <laughs> but you feel, I, I, I am at a certain age, at this point, this is when I should be married. Who said that? Who, who set that rule Or of, of, of this is the time? amen everyone has their appointed time now i didn't say i didn't say don't believe i didn't say you know don't set your fate or set your expectation but everyone is running their own race amen at this point based on everything you have gone through sometimes it might be that your appointed time for the vision of you getting married involves you right now being whole as a single person involves you discovering who you are. As married people, I remember, you know, and by the way, the pressure never stops. You know, people are before you get married, when are you gonna get married? When you get married, when when are the children gonna come? When you have the first child, when is the second one going to come? When you have the second one, are you having another one? When you have the you know when is the third one? You need more, you need more, you need more. You know people who just who just feel the need. No, you need more, you know or, 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 and then when you have like seven or nine, it's like, when are you gonna stop? stop. <laughs> The point point I'm making is that people would always have expectations of where you ought to be. But we don't live by the expectation of society. We have our own time. There is a vision appointed. Tune in to that more than anything else. Amen? Someone say, every vision has an appointed time. Shall we go back to Habakkuk chapter 2? Uh, make a note of Acts chapter 16, you can go home, we don't have time to look at it today, but go home and read that God calls Paul to go to, uh, to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, and yet in Acts chapter 16, a couple of times, he's trying to go into different towns, and the Holy Spirit stops him, because even though his vision, he's, uh, he's called to preach the gospel, it wasn't the appointed time for that particular city. And so it is important that we are tuned into the Holy Spirit as we outwork our vision. Because every vision has an appointed time. There is a beautiful thing that God wants to do with you. This is what faith is about. Faith, I was telling someone today, faith is not about, no, faith produces results. But faith is not primarily for producing results. Okay? Faith is primarily for a relationship with God. And then that relationship with God that is based on faith produces results. Amen? So what God wants to really do, here is the beautiful thing that I want all of us to key into when it comes to your vision. It is understanding that what is beautiful about what God has called you to do, apart from the manifestation of what you are believing God for, is the beauty of working with God in this delicate dance of go, oh, not yet, or move this way. And together, it is what you do together. The beauty of being husband and wife who have children is not just that we have children, but it is that together, by a love relationship, we have produced this beautiful bundle of joy that wouldn't stop talking. (laughs) Amen. I don't know, did that come out wrong? (laughs) Amen. My daughter is talking for the world right now. She is asking every question under the sun, and um, I'm having to pull out my card because I said so. Are you with me so far? But it, there is this beautiful thing that it, it, there is this beautiful thing that comes from having faith in God and producing something that is born out of a wonderful, intimate relationship of go now, move, stop, don't go. Okay, let's do it this way. And together, you produce something amazing upon the earth. It is that beautiful. That's, the, that's what we're after. Amen? It's not just about the results. It's about what happens as you walk together. That's why every vision has its appointed time. God wants to enjoy you. Amen. He really wants to enjoy his walk with you. That's why everything we all have different paces, because our walk with God have similarities, but they're all different. Are you with me so far? Look back to Habakkuk chapter 2. And so he says, he says um, back to verse 3, Habakkuk 2, verse 3. He says, he says for, for, for the vision is yet for an appointed time. And I, want you to, I wanted you to see. Are we okay to just learn the word like this, okay? Um, I wanted you to see, make sure that as you're seeing what, what the vision is, you are also seeing or looking out for the timings, okay? Because your frustration might be that you are not seeing that the timing is not for the fullness of what you see yet, but for a little bit. Or you are frustrated because he came too quick. Amen? I know that that was, that that was the case with me, pastoring-wise. I felt like the timing was for five years. God, God told us in, in February um, to get ready, because it's going to February 2010, that, 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 that our turn had come. So I said, okay, the appointed time is about five years. That was by my estimation. I said about five, but October that year, amen, we started pastoring. Because what I needed to know is not just accepting that the timing was coming, but he's but, but, but learning to be in sync with his timing. Yes. Are you with me so far? Yeah. Okay, so look at this. So the vision is for an appointed time. And it says, but at the end, it will speak. At the end, it will speak. At the end, it will speak. Your vision has a voice. Okay? Your vision has a voice. You need to see that. You need to trust what God has placed on the inside of you. Because at the end, everyone say, at the end. At the end. You know, you're at the place where everyone else, it is before the end of your vision that everything else and everyone else will seem like it has a louder voice. Than what you are doing. And that's why you start to listen to the naysayers. Or listen to your circumstances. And start to doubt what God has given you. But if you stay with what he has given you. You will see that your vision will speak. Amen. Amen? At the end it will speak. And it will not lie. Glory be to God. He says and it will not lie. Someone say my vision. My vision. Will not lie. What does it say in the Amplified? Give me verse, verse 3 in the Amplified. It says, it says, for the vision is yet for an appointed time. I love this. It says, it hurries towards the goal of fulfillment. Okay? In other words, there is, a, there is an urgency. You need to see about it. Another thing you need to see about your vision is that in the eyes of God, there is an urgency about the accomplishment of what he has given you. I like to put it this way. You are not more desperate than God. Please remember this. Whatever God has put on your heart to accomplish, it is impossible to be more desperate than him to see the fulfillment of that vision. It hurries. Amen? It hurries, it hastens to the end. The vision is aching to manifest. God is desperate to accomplish his will for you this year, uh, more desperate than you can ever be. He hastens to fulfill it. I think about so many people who were... De- Hannah in the Bible, Hannah is desperate for a child and she's crying before God and begging God so much so that those that are around her are thinking that she's lost her mind. But when, you, when the story unfolds completely you find that even beyond her desperation for a child, God was desperate for a prophet. In fact, let me put it this way. I do believe it is God's desperation that births our desperation. It is God's hunger. The Bible talks about how he gives us the desires of our hearts. I believe that he takes his desires and puts his desires... In our heart, that's why we have his desires. That's why someone like Paul will be faced with death. But because the desires he has are not his, but the Father's desire. He says, none of these things move me. The only thing I'm still desiring to do is to preach the gospel of grace. Because the desire I have has come from my Father in heaven. Amen? He's hastening. The Jews were desperate for For a savior who would save them from Roman colonization. So when Jesus came, that's all they were after. That's all John was asking: Are you the one, or should we wait for somebody else? All the Peter and all the apostles who walked with Jesus, Jesus kept trying to tell them that he was going to, for you know, that he was going to die, that he was going to, he was going to go through. They didn't want to hear because their expectation was that this man will save us from the Roman. Colonization, But God was even more desperate than them. God was desperate to save the whole world. They were desperate to get delivered from colonization. God was desperate to get the whole world delivered from sin. God is more desperate than you think. Amen. Let that comfort you. <laughs> Just remember whatever he has placed in your heart. He wants to do it in you more than you want it done whatever he has placed in your heart it is bigger than you can imagine than you can comprehend he it is it is big someone say "It it is big amen so i need you to see that he is hastening to perform it someone say he is hastening to perform it Amen. God, God, God wants it done. He wants it done now. He's working with you to get it done. That's why he's speaking to you. That's why you're hearing this message. That's why you're being inspired. That's why when you fall, he picks you up. That's why when you give up, some of you have dreams and desires. No matter how much you shut it down, he wakes you up at night. It bothers you. Yo. You keep thinking about the same thing because God wants it done. And he wants to borrow your mind and borrow your body to get it done. He's hastening to perform it. And it says, uh, it will not fail. Someone say, it will not fail. Will not fail. Amen. Well, if, if you have been given a God-given vision, no, don't be too quick. You know, you know um, when, when you watch, I'm not a medical person, but when you watch um, medical dramas, for instance, when somebody dies, they will tell the doctor to call it, to say, time of death. In other words, they've done all that they can, and the only thing that is left now is to declare the thing dead. And sometimes we do that with what God has called us to do. Because you've tried and you've walked and it's fallen down and it doesn't look like what you initially imagined, we get to the place where we call it. Amen. But if God gave you a vision, it will not fail. Did you hear me? It will not fail. All we need to establish or reestablish is, did you still believe? Do you believe that this came from God? If he gave you a vision, he says, it will not fail. Let me encourage somebody, God, because God is desperate to get it to, God never fails. There is nothing he puts his hand to that fails. If you ask the disciples on the who were walking back on the road to Emmaus, if you ask them the vision they had when when they walked with Jesus, they had called it dead. They thought it was over. They thought they got it wrong but it will not fail. Amen. Amen? Sometimes you don't understand where we're at, where you are in this whole thing, and a lot of times, and I, I, this is the example I, I, I gave earlier today, you know, sometimes when, um, you know, um, it, it, when, when my, you know, food is a, always a good example, when, when, my, when, 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 when my mama is cooking, um, uh, you know, some proper, you know, there is, there is cooking and then there is cooking. You know, there is cooking, which is just throwing a few things together. But then there is a cooking where she goes, she spends hours buying stuff. Amen? Buying meat that looks like Jesus. It's like, whoa, what is going on here? And, and, and when all of that stuff is laid out on the table, it looks, abs- what on earth are you doing? It smells funny. It doesn't look right. All you just need, don't, don't call it too quick. Don't say, you don't, you, you don't want to eat this. You, you just wait. Give it time. Let mama work her magic. Because by the time she finished working that magic and putting all those ugly look- looking things in the pots and putting in the right seasoning at the right time, putting in water and the leaves. I'm getting hungry. Let's go home. <laughs> by the time he finishes, you will know it, it will not fail to deliver. Amen. You know, there's some, there's some, some food you've eaten in different places it doesn't taste like your mama's you tried to cook it it doesn't taste like that it comes close but it's not quite the same it's the same thing with God there are, there are ways that he does things he will not fail to deliver if he has given you a vision he will deliver on it because he wants to get it done he will use you he will use your mind he will use your strength but he will get it done because it will not fail Amen. It will not fail. It's just what he does. And so, and so what, what happens is, is even though the next thing you need to say, are you with me so far? So he says, what we need to do with our vision is even though it delay, and there will be times when it's delaying, delay is not death. In the economy of God, death doesn't exist because he is the God who raises the dead. So for us, when something looks dead, it is dead. But not before God when something looks dead. We just need resurrection power. Amen. Amen. And so with God, if there is a delay, he says, wait for it. Help me tell somebody, wait for it. it. Come on on social media. Tell your neighbor, wait for it. He says, wait for it. Wait patiently for it. Because it will certainly come. It will not delay. When it delays, it will certainly come. It will not delay. Can you understand that? When it delays, when it feels like it's delaying to you, wait for it, because it will come. It will not delay. How do I know? The, the, the first delay is your delay. The, the second delay is about the appointed time. Does that make sense? So, so the, first, the first part, it says, if it, if it delays, it, it feels like it's delaying. So he says, wait for it, because in reality, it will not delay. In other words, there is an appointed time for it, and as you wait for it in the right season, in the right time, it will happen. It's a bit like that that that, that tree or the thing Chinese bamboo that is called is sown, and and if you plant it along with other trees, it doesn't it doesn't seem like it's growing. Then after a while, it just shoots up. It gets the appointed time and it shoots feet up, just like that is the same thing with our vision. Whatever God has given you, please know that even when it seems like it's delaying, again, all we need to establish is did this is this vision based on God's word? Is it based on his will? Is it about the accomplishment of his purpose? If it is, wait for it. When you don't understand what's going on, wait for it. When you don't understand how it's playing out, wait for it. When you don't understand the full details, use Sometimes faith is doing the next right thing. Amen? There, there are seasons of your walk with God... In your relationship with your friends or relationship with your or your relationship with your boss or you you know some that, that that faith would be life would just be so confusing and it feels like by now this is what I thought would have happened. You're not lacking faith. Just do the next right thing. That's what patience looks like. It looks like consistency, it looks like I I don't understand why you're treating me like this because this is not what I expected would happen at this point in time. But 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 faith says I'm going to do the next right thing. That's what waiting looks like. It will not delay. It will surely come. Tell neighbor, it will surely come. Amen? And when the time for your vision comes, nothing will stop it. When the time for your vision comes, that is why I have decided that whatever I am doing, I don't just want my thing, I want what he wants. I want what he wants. If I am in sync with God, if I am dancing with him, if every step that I am taking is to the best of my ability, what I have heard from God, what I believe I have heard from God, it will not fail. It will surely come. Nothing can stop it. There is no lie that your competitors lie concerning your business that will stop your business because the business wasn't about them. The business was about the kingdom of God and the Lord is establishing a kingdom on the earth. That kingdom must be established and that's why your business has to be prospered. Do you get that? It just has to be prospered. God wants to reach the lost. He wants to heal the broken heart. If your, if your business is around those things, it has to prosper. Because these are things that God wants to do. If you are a person who God wants to raise up and take up, he has to. He, nothing will stop that vision. Because it's about this big thing. That is why the love of God. We can be here thousands of years later from when the word of God was first when jesus was first prophesied thousands of years later we are here still talking about him because nothing comes in the way of the accomplishment of a god-given vision amen. tell your neighbor neighbor, neighbor. Wait, for it. wait for it it will surely come, will surely come. amen yes. i'm going to leave it there but let me give you one scripture to go home and look at okay i want you to also remember that your vision is very valuable in the, in Matthew 13 14 to four, uh, 44 to 45 we find a story of the kingdom of he says the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field when a man found it he hid it again and then in his joy he went and sold all that he had and bought that field again the kingdom of god is like a merchant who looking for fine pearls when he found one of great value he went away and sold everything that he had and he bought it your vision is so valuable It is worth all of your life. Okay? One thing you must see is how valuable is that vision. Okay? How valuable? Because the way you see it, your vision, every vision is like a baby. Every vision is is, is full of potential. It needs to be nurtured. It needs to be taken care of. It needs to be pampered. It needs to be, you know... it, it, it just needs 100%. Does that make sense? You, you can't, even when you're tired, you still have a baby. You're still a daddy when you're tired. You're still a mama when you're tired. Amen. You can't take a day off. It's just the way it is. Are you with me so far? It's the same thing with your vision. Your vision demands that kind of commitment. But until you know how valuable it is, until you know that this is worth selling everything, you know what, you know the analogy? Um, this is worth everything that you are. Um, and I pray that God gives you something that you live for, that you know this is worth dying for. Amen? I, I pray that you live your life, that, that, that there will be something in your life that you will find some, I truly believe life begins when you find a pearl that is precious, when you find a fish, something that is so precious that you are willing to give all of your life. Amen? Father, thank you for every vision in this house. Thank you for every vision from the people who are watching online and tuning in. We thank you for everything that you are intending to do how all of these things fit into your master plan, your amazing masterpiece that you are painting here on earth. I thank you for every vision represented here by the, those who are listening, those who are watching, those who are here in this room, those who will listen later. Thank you for all of these visions. I decree that, Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in every single vision. Let, I pray clarity in the heart of every person in here that we will know the times that we will understand what you are doing and we will walk in sync with you concerning this vision. Where it is that your people are, are in that season of waiting, Father, I pray for strength in that season. I pray for refreshing in that season, that they would not quit, that we will not quit in the difficult times because what you have given us will surely come to pass. We love you so much and we tune in to you. We understand that everything you are looking to do, you are looking to create a masterpiece of your grace to show something how amazing you are, that you will walk with us and work through us to produce this vision which we see. We love you so much, and we are thankful to be in partnership with you. As we go, we say, go with us, be with us. We have eyes that see, ears that hear, and a heart that is softened to everything that you have in store for us. It is in Jesus' name we pray, and those who believe said, come on, let's give the Lord a hand of praise for... His partnership with us. Praise God. Let's come before God with our giving. Let's bring our best.